I think all of our hearing is now worse for having to have listened to that. But, I mean, you got to appreciate the commitment, though. Just, I mean, driving through it, even though they were obviously in uh, two different keys. I, I love watching these worship fail videos because if nothing else, it makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> so, and especially, you know, that one, um, the, the, the second one with the lady um, at the piano is that is the the group Hillsong United that's who does Oceans she sings Oceans uh, so someone of that caliber that that makes a mistake uh, makes me feel a little better and then that second one is a guy named Martin Smith uh, back in the 90s there was a group called Delirious and they were really trailblazers into the the modern uh, worship music and uh, did a, did a lot of familiar songs back then so nice to see some of these professionals mess up too makes us amateurs feel good that it's not just us that make mistakes. Uh, this is the last week of our series on worship. It's your breath, and uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope you have too. Um, one thing I want to mention, so last week I mentioned about Ruth Edwards and about the pumpkin pie she makes. She was sick last week, and she got to watch it on there, and you, wouldn't you know it, she came today and she brought me a pumpkin pie. She just happened to have, I know, you love me, you really love me. Um, she, I said, how did you get a pumpkin? And she said, I had it in the freezer. So, I mean, she just prepared at any time to make a pumpkin pie. And um, even though my illustration last week was if I share it with you, she's going to love it even more. I'm not sharing it with you. It is mine. So back off. I am. Thank you. When it comes to desserts, I'm extremely selfish. Um, okay. I want to start off with a scenario. Okay. So let's say Mitzi comes to church. Billy woke up. He was like, whoa, Mitzi. Okay. Um, let's say Mitzi comes into church, and she's had a terrible week and just doesn't have a good attitude. And so she walks in, and this is the first time she's come. And she doesn't like that the carpet up here is black, and she doesn't like that there's these fancy lights, and she doesn't... Uh, like that there's not pews because the church she grew up in had pews and she doesn't like that the music was too loud and she doesn't like that there wasn't a hymn that has been sung yet today and she's mad at Billy and so she's just not in a great frame of mind okay so that's Mitzi now let's take Shauna Shauna's like oh dear so let's say Shauna comes in and she's had a fantastic week and she just feels good about where her life is going and things are going on. And so she is just happy. And on the way in this morning, she was noticing all of God's beautiful creation. And when she came in, she was happy to see people and she talked to people. And she loved the music and she loved uh, how Jesse sang God of Revival. And she loved um, how, how Brett was playing the bass. And she, she loves the, the atmosphere in here. And she was just ready to worship and uh, hopefully experience God. Now, two, two people both came to the same place, same church, and experienced the same songs and everything. But both of them found what they were looking for. I want to ask you this morning, what are you looking for? When you come to church, or maybe just when you go to work, or when you go to school, what are you looking for? Are you looking for God? Are you looking to see how God is going to work when you're in church on a Sunday morning? Do you see 
a bunch of hypocrites at church who act one way during the week and then on Sunday morning maybe they're a volunteer somewhere and you think how in the world can that person volunteer in Journey Kids? I, I saw something that they did this week. Or do you see God working through flawed people? What are you looking for? Worship is a flawless God being glorified by flawed people. Or maybe a better way to say it is a perfect God being glorified by an imperfect people. Churches that grow exalt God in worship. And if we haven't learned to be worshipers, then it doesn't matter how well we do anything else. Our main goal as Christians and followers of Jesus is to glorify God. That first, and then everything else. Let's go look at the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. He is worthy for nothing more than just because he is God. So let's recap. Week one, we talked about what hinders us from worship. Maybe our busyness, maybe it's stuff, maybe it's the shame and guilt from our sin. There are many reasons. And then last week, we looked at what are some benefits of worship. How when we worship, it gets our focus on God. It helps build our understanding in God. So this week, I want to look at something a little different and some common myths about worship. We all have our own preconceived notions of what worship is. So let's look at some of these myths. Myth number one, worship is where we talk about God. Nothing wrong with talking about God. Nothing wrong at all. But that is a myth because worship is when we encounter God. Now, if you've ever seen our mission statement for the church, it is to encounter God, engage together, and empower change. Now, what you'll notice about that phrase is that the first thing is encounter God. Because we have to do that first in order to do those other things. There are a couple of passages in uh, Psalms that I want to look at. First one is in Psalm 95.6, and it says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And then just a little bit later in Psalm 102, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. So if worship is when we encounter God, those are both talking about how we come before him. That is an encounter. It's so much more than just talking about God. We come before him. We are in his presence. Now, illustration. I hate snakes. Anyone else? Despise them. They are not of the Lord. It is in the Bible. So, I could read a lot of books about snakes, and I could learn everything about them. Sawyer has gotten to where recently, and I don't know why, on the way to school, she'll ask me about snakes and rattlesnakes, and she's just out of nowhere, she's like, Daddy, rattlesnakes are dangerous. I'm like, yes, yes, they are, sweetie. I could watch 
um, on the Discovery Channel. I could watch a, you know, a documentary about snakes. And it could tell me everything in the world about snakes. I could even go to the zoo. And maybe they have a terrarium and they have snakes in them. But I'm protected between me and that snake because there is thick, thick glass. But that is not encountering a snake. If you encounter a snake, it's going to invoke a lot of emotions and maybe some unholy things as well. <laughs> Several years ago, there was one of these demonic creatures in our church. It was huge. It was terrifying. And it was only a bull snake, but I am of the type that I am not going to get close enough to t tell which kind of snake it is. I don't want to know. I don't want to be anywhere near it. I had an encounter with this snake. And when we have an encounter with a snake at this church, we call Mike Vest, who's sitting right back there. And Mike comes and gets it. Now, massive. Now, just be careful. This is not for the faint of heart. I want to show you a picture, and I don't want to terrify you. This is what the snake looked like. Massive. <laughs> the picture really doesn't do it justice. I mean, that thing had to be at least two foot long. And it was within... 15 feet of me, which is too close. So we called Mike. That is actually Mike, I believe, holding it. And he um, moved that creature of the Lord to across the street. So just a bull snake, but I hate snakes. But I had an encounter with that snake, and there were emotions involved when I was walking and saw that snake. When we encounter God, you can read all about God, and we should read the Scripture. But when we are in His presence... We are changed. It invokes emotions in us. The more we encounter God, the more we spend time with God, we start to recognize His voice. You ever miss things in plain sight? As husbands, it's sort of what we do. Anytime Amanda's cooking and she asks me to go to the refrigerator and grab, you know, hey, will you grab the mayonnaise? It's terrifying because I know I'm going to open the fridge and not find it, even though it's there, and then she can come right to it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. We can miss things in plain sight. We can miss things when, when God is asking us to do it, when God is right in front of us. We can miss things because maybe we haven't spent as much time with them. Let's look at the book of John uh, in chapter 10. Verse 27 and 28, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The more we spend time with him, the more we know his voice. He knows us, and we will know him. Myth number two, worship has to look a certain way, a certain place, a certain style, a certain tradition. But the truth is, God likes variety. Now, if God likes variety, exactly what does that look like? First of all, we are creatures of habit, are we not? We sleep on the same side of the bed every night. We get up at the same time. We have the, the same routine. We do things in the same order, in the same way. Um... I was talking to, to Tommy Rains, and I remember a couple years ago, I think it was in our group, um, 
I don't even know how this came up, but he was saying how he would put on one sock and then that shoe and then the other sock and that shoe. I mean, first of all, what kind of witchcraft is that? <laughs> it's crazy, but that, that is his routine. That is what, and we all do it. We, we come to church, we have a routine. And then we go eat, and then we, we just, everything is routine, and it's easy to fall into the trap of routine. As a worship pastor, it's very easy for us too. We, we do things a certain way, and we have four songs, and then the sermon, and then one song, and it just looks the same every week and every week. But God is a God of variety. Any style of music that honors God is godly. Even rap. Someone actually asked this morning and said that their daughter was going to come to me with a, a Christian rap song they found that they want us to do on here. And I'm like, well, I'll pray about it. <laughs> so last week we did an acoustic set. We changed it up just a little bit. And it was beautiful. It was awesome. They did a fantastic job. Last week I mentioned, hey, why don't you sit in a different spot? Did anyone do that? At all? Anyone? Oh, look. You are. You're usually over here. Ruth, you've been back there. Ruth, sweet Ruth. Thank you for that pie. Tommy tried, but he said, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to cross my legs. I, I got to come back over here. And then even with, with all of us, we all have a variety of gifts and talents, right? We were talking about that in staff meeting on Tuesday morning, the uh, pastors and Melina, we were sitting up here at the front. We were talking about how each one of us has a different gift or gifts that God has given us. Uh, sweet April is the compassionate, merciful one. That's why she's the pastoral care pastor because she has the gift of mercy and she's so kind and so loving. Uh, Julie has um, a vision and she can see the big picture and, and Crystal loves our kids and she can be goofy, and she can be fun. She also leads If Table with a, a women's group, and, and she has those gifts, and, and Melina is organized and, and is a rule follower, and, and, and we couldn't do what we do without every single one of us having different gifts that God has given us. If everyone in this church or everyone on the staff had the exact same gift, we wouldn't get very far. God likes variety. He's given us a variety of gifts. There was a man, and you may have heard this, that went to heaven. He died and he went to heaven. When he gets there, uh, Peter sees him and says, hey, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And he said, let me, let me show you where your room is. He said, okay. So they start walking down the hall, and they come kind of past this first door, and there's some really loud music and passionate worship going on and clapping and tambourines and shakers and it's just nuts. And Peter says, oh, it, don't worry about that. It, it's just the Pentecostals. No big deal. So they keep going, and he starts hearing this really loud, grand, and majestic organ. It's beautiful. And it's just kind of overtaking the room. And Peter says, that's the Episcopalians. And then they get past that room, and Peter says, okay, I need you to be real quiet. Okay. So they walk up there, and he starts hearing some real soft, pretty piano music, and he said, that's the Baptists. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> I can say that. I grew up Baptist, okay? Before anyone gets offended, I, 
I grew up Baptist. My granddad was a Baptist pastor. It's completely fine. There are a variety of ways to do everything, and it's okay. As long as it honors God, and it is godly. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is, is talking about a variety of gifts. Chapter 12 and verse 7, he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. That's variety. At the end of the day, worship is to honor God with the variety of gifts that he has given us in whatever variety of way that we want. Myth number three, excellent worship is what pleases me. But the truth is, excellent worship is what pleases God. In Ephesians chapter five, I love this. It's Paul. In verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Excellent worship is when God is pleased. We are not the audience. When, when they are up here leading worship, you are not the audience. Worship has an audience of one, and that is our Father. Now, sometimes you may notice that when you worship or during a time of worship that you may grow to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe it's the way someone's worshiping, or, or maybe God is speaking to you, and, and, and you just don't have the warm fuzzies. Maybe sometimes you're just having a great time and you, and you feel great. But worship is not always meant to be comfortable because when we are in God's presence, he is perfect. And when we are in his presence, there are times that we will not be comfortable. Now, if you look back in the Old Testament, and even if you haven't read this passage before, maybe you saw the old movie, The Ten Commandments. You know, when, when Moses was up on the mountain and, and God was giving him the Ten Commandments, when he came back down, he had to cover his face because he had been in the presence of God, and so there was a glow, and he covered his face before he went back down. I imagine Moses was a little uncomfortable, but more in awe, probably. But then take a look at Saul in the New Testament. Saul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a well-educated man. He, he, was, um, he knew everything there was to know about Judaism. He followed all the rules, uh, dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's. And then as he's walking on the road to Damascus, he has an encounter with Jesus. And he's blind for three days. Pretty sure that was uncomfortable. Probably scary. Probably didn't really know what was going to happen. But then we all know his name changed to Paul, and he became the Apostle Paul. He's written most of the New Testament. Both of those people had an encounter with God that may not have been comfortable. 
But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we're comfortable or uncomfortable. What matters is, is that we have spent time with God. And that can be hard. That can be hard when God is telling us to do something that we don't want to do or that we think, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. But we have to act in obedience. Myth number four, we are spectators in worship. But the truth is, we are participants in worship. I loved this morning. We were singing uh, King of My Heart, and I could just hear everybody singing loud. We were participants in worship. Our lives can be changed. Look, look at Paul. His life was changed with that encounter with Jesus. Completely changed the track of, of, of Paul's life. He was headed one way. He had an encounter with Jesus, and he headed another way. It even mentions in Acts chapter 1 how when Paul was Saul that he had approved in the killing of Stephen when they stoned him to death. He was not a good man. But then he was in God's presence. And it was life-altering. So be a participant when you come to church. Worship with your whole heart, ready to encounter God. Myth number five. Good worship means good music and a good sermon. Those are good things. But the truth is, good worship happens in spirit and in truth. And we've talked about that a little bit uh, each week in this series. So in spirit, with our hearts, not just our lips. Truth, scriptural. F factual, but, but scriptural. Maybe another way to say is with our emotions and with our intellect. We talked about that in John chapter 4 uh, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well when she was asking, you know, where do we worship? What do we do? And, and, and he tells her, no, it, it, there's a time coming when it doesn't matter where. It matters what attitude you have in spirit and in truth. Myth number six, worship only happens at church. But the truth is, worship can happen anywhere at any time. Anytime we acknowledge how great God is. That's worship. Location doesn't matter. Jesus said it in John chapter 4 to the woman at the well. And then myth number seven, worship is only emotional. But the truth is, worship involves our emotions and our intellect. It's that spirit and truth mentality. Emotions and intellect. Emotions aren't bad. God created emotions. I know that when I encountered that snake, there were emotions involved. Fear, mostly. Emotions aren't bad. We don't have to shy away from them. Just don't make it all about the emotions. Spirit and truth. In Deuteronomy 6.5, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all of our being. Our mind, our emotions, physical, spiritual, everything. Anytime we come to worship, worship is for God and to God. It is not for us. Now, you may love worship, but ultimately it is not for us. It is for God. Worship is an encounter with God. It is coming before him in his presence. And then worship is a flawless God or a perfect God being glorified by a flawed 
or imperfect people. So we're going to finish out today with a little bit more worship. I hope that God has spoken to you through these sermons, not through me. I know I have learned a ton. I was telling Amanda that the other night, just in preparation, the amount that I have learned on worship, which is something that I do all the time. You never know enough. God can always teach you more. But over these next few songs, let's acknowledge just how great our God is. Even if, even if you're at a time in your life where it doesn't seem like it, that doesn't change. God is great. So let's, let's acknowledge that. Let's be participants on these last few songs together. Let's lift our voice together. Let's sing loud. Let's worship in whatever way you see fit. In whatever way God is calling you to worship. We just want him. Let's make that the call of our heart today, our prayer that we just want him and nothing else. Nothing else. Not our job, not money, not fame, just God. You know, we sang at the beginning that God would pour out his spirit on us and we would pour out our praise. That's what we're going to do now. We're going to pour out our praise back to him. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Let's come back. Let's come back to the beginning. Let's, let's reset our focus on what worship is. It's simple. It's just telling God how great he is. Father, I pray that today. Reset us, Lord. Reset our hearts. Reset our minds. Help us to come back to you. Father, we acknowledge this morning just how great you are. You've created us. You have created everything in this universe. And we recognize that. And this morning, we will lift our voices together. We will be participants together. Build our understanding in you. Help us to focus more on you. Clear our minds of, of anything that gets in the way of you. Help us, each one of us, to have an encounter with you this morning. We come before you ready for that change our hearts, change our lives, and accept this praise this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for us. And that is why we pour out our praise to you, Lord. Because you loved us first. Bless us, Father, in your precious, in your holy name we pray.